Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in the sovereign province of Monaco with my good friend AJ Saunders of AJSDigitalGroup.com. AJ has visited Monaco numerous times and he's in the process of moving there from the UK. In this episode, AJ and I talk about watching the Monaco Grand Prix, exploring the old town on Le Rocher, and seeing all the exotic cars in Casino Square. You'll hear about these three amazing experiences plus a whole bunch more. If you know somebody who wants to visit Monaco, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Monaco. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, I quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, AJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It was awesome meeting you through our friend, uh, mutual friend Noah Kagan, who is actually my my guest for Austin through his uh, underdogs group. And when you told me that you were actually moving to Monaco, I, I've heard a lot about Monaco, and but I didn't really know enough about it. So I, I was so excited to have you come onto the show. No, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. What's your connection to the city? I mean, actually, it's more of a country than it is a city, right? So it's a principality with about 38,000 people. And so it's on three sides, it's surrounded by France. But then you can see Italy to one side. You can see Corsica, which is a little island in the Mediterranean from the beach. And yeah, so it's it's a little enclave. And basically, so I believe my family, and this is historically accurate, my, I believe my family have been going there since the 1920s. So my great-grandfather was a banker in Germany, and he used to go gamble in the casino before the Second World War. And then about 40 years ago, my uncle moved down there and his little brother followed him. And my mother, who's the oldest of the four, moved there about seven, eight years ago. Me and my family have visited the south of France pretty much my entire life. But about in my late 20s, I just absolutely fell in love with Monaco and looking at Monaco online. And then I flew out there when I was about 27, 28 and just had an incredible, incredible kind of holiday there and have gone back pretty much every year since. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And so, you know, I even had to look it up exactly to see exactly where it is on the map. And from what I saw, it, it's kind of like the Southeast corner of France. And like you said, it was, it butts up against, against Italy and it, it's right on the ocean uh, as well. And so it's a, it's perfect location as far as enjoying the beautiful weather. I'm, I'm sure. It's about 10 kilometers from Nice. Everybody kind of knows Nice as a kind of, and Cannes. Cannes is about 20 kilometers, I believe. So yeah, so you're right slap bang in the Riviera, south of France. It's gorgeous weather all year round. I think, I think at this kind of time, I was there a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was about 12, 13 degrees. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's Celsius. Yeah. Don't get don't get scared off, ever, listeners. You know, that's Celsius. <laughs> And then, like, summer season, it gets up to kind of high 30s. So it's very Mediterranean. It's very, very nice all year round. If it rains, which it rarely does, it rains for a couple of, like, an hour or two at maximum. I was there four years ago, and the week before I was there four years ago, it snowed. 
and I talked to a, a real estate agent there, and he said everyone was like losing their mind because they'd never seen snow or they had, <laughs> like, hadn't seen snow for like twenty years, right? And they just didn't know what's happened. Yeah, so it, it's gorgeous all year round. So if people are planning their their trip, obviously, again being so close to like the the Mediterranean Sea, there that wonderful weather kind of year round. Is there a certain time of year that somebody should plan their their visit as far as weather or maybe certain events that happen throughout the year? So April, May, before the summer season kind of kicks in, the weather is getting nicer. So it's not really hot, but it's not too cold either. It's lovely. And then September as well is the same kind of deal. It's kind of cooling down, so it's not hot. It's not busy, but there's still lots going on. And so those kind of periods are the best. Obviously... As a tourist destination, you know, the summer season, so you know, June to the end of August, early kind of September, is where rates, room rates kind of triple, quadruple. It's really hot, it's really busy, there's loads of people there. So it just depends on what, what you like. So I was at the beginning of March this year, and it was gorgeous sun, sunshine for the two days. I was actually in Monaco, I was in Nice for two days. And yeah, beautiful weather, great food. Can't knock it. Yeah, I was doing some research ahead of the show, and I saw some of the restaurants that are there in, in Monaco, and it looks amazing. I mean, the, the food looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in a, perf- in a perfect setting just overlooking the water as well, you know, so that, that makes it that much better. I think the ambiance as far as the, the views and the food, just like a perfect combination. Now, one of the things I saw, like you mentioned, kind of like the April-May time frame for sports fans, the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix happens every May. And so I'm sure that gets really busy during that time frame. So, yeah. So at the end of April, they have the Monte Carlo Masters, which is a ATP, so men's tennis, 1,000 tournament. So that weekend is really, really busy. And because it's kind of like, a, it's still a relatively small tennis club. And so the city kind of buzzes with all this action from all these famous tennis players being around, but also the people that just come to kind of soak up the atmosphere. And then the week after, it's the... The historic Grand Prix, so it's the vintage cars, like the old Bentleys, the old Royce Royces, the old Ferraris, all of that good stuff. Then you have the electric Grand Prix the week before, the actual Grand Prix, and then you have the Grand Prix on the third weekend. It's literally three weekends of racing, where you know, kind of you know, terrorizing the streets of Monte Carlo. <laughs> so when you think of that, obviously, they're going to have a lot of the roads blocked off you know, for the races and, and everything else. When you plan on coming to, to Monaco, should you rent a car while you're there? Or do they have really good public transportation? Or, or how would we get around? So Monaco, like every other city on Earth, is pretty car park. There's not enough car parking spaces for everybody to, to kind of get around. So from Nice Airport, you can actually get on buses right outside Nice Airport that will take you to the center of Nice. And then from Nice, you can get on another bus that takes you or a train to Monaco and actually around Monaco there's I think there's four different bus stops that are run by the government of Monaco in Nice for example there's you know 100 different routes more than 100 different routes they're really regular buses in both countries in Monaco I believe it's like a euro per bus driver you can buy like a 10 euro ticket with I think 12 journeys on and you can buy them from the bus drivers or from the tourist hotspots as well and then to get from, say, Nice to Monaco, it's one one euro fifty. So that's basically about two dollars, isn't it? Roughly speaking. Yeah. So it's highly affordable. And overall, the the city isn't. I mean, the uh, the principality isn't that big, anyways, right? Because you only have less than forty thousand people. It's two square miles. Okay. 
Yeah, if it's two square miles, then you can easily, even if it, if you have that good weather, like you talk about April, May, or September, you could just walk everywhere, right? So th- this is my insider tip. Things are on hills and on different levels. So Monaco is on probably about four or five different levels. And so what the things to do is to always ask in shops where the nearest elevator is and where it takes you to, right? Because there's public elevators or public escalators that take you from various places to various places. And if you know where they are, you're actually ahead of the game. So when I was there a couple of weeks ago, I remembered that behind the Yacht Club, which is the big big landmark, and there's actually an escalator, the elevator, sorry, that takes you down one level, then you walk along the corridor, it goes up two levels, and then you come up by the Thurman's Spa, and there's an escalator then that takes you up to the Casino Square. And so instead of having to walk up the massive hill towards Casino Square, you literally need to take these two elevators and you're there in under 10 minutes. So a couple of years back, I went and saw the Monaco Monte Carlo Philharmonic, which is like the National Orchestra. I think we paid 13 or 14 euros. So that's like $15 for the tickets. Are you thinking world-class orchestra? So incredibly inexpensive, exceptional music, really, really great venue. And that venue sits, it sits on the, the F1 track and it sits just up from the, the Yacht Club. And so what, what I did is I just walked down the hill from the Yacht Club to the Le Church called Centre which is beneath the train station. And then there's an elevator that takes you up to the train station from there. So then you avoid having to walk up all these hills and down and, and do all this crazy stuff. And it's just literally using the public elevators and the public escalators for what they're meant for. And so, yeah, so it's about asking. Yeah, that's uh, that's so smart because, I, you know, I know some of the listeners are, are a little older or you know, some of them are like me that have you know, young children. And although I maybe you know, just tough it out and try to go up the hills anyways, if I'm carrying my suitcases or, you know, I'm, I'm walking with the kids and they start complaining, you know, <laughs> it's nice to have those elevators and escalators to be able to, to make it up and down those hills uh, much easier. Indeed. So let's take, take a step back. So you mentioned flying into, into Nice. So from, from the U.S., I'm pretty sure there's either direct, direct flights into, into there or we would just stop off in Paris or something along the way. And then from there, you know, a little hop, skip and a jump over there to, to Nice, right? Indeed, yeah. So a lot of people, I guess, from the US especially, may stop in London or, or like you say, Paris. And then, yeah, from any of the London airports, from any of the Paris airports, there's 102 different low-cost carriers. And because it's an hour, two hours, like 90 minutes, you know, you can bear it, you know, on a low-cost. I'm guessing, like, the comparison would be, like, JetBlue, I guess. So, you know, it, it's not, you know, the most glamorous experience. But, you know, by the time you're kind of taking off, you know, had a drink, you're kind of pretty much there, right? So it's bearable. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think the thing is, you know, I've heard of Monaco and I, I just have this in my in my mind of, okay, it's on the south of France. There's, everything's expensive. It's like the, the lifestyles of the rich and famous and everything else. But like you said, you could take a low-cost carrier to get there. You can go see the Philharmonic and it's $15 for a ticket. I mean, what I'm learning is that it's a much more affordable destination than than what I had in my mind. Absolutely, yeah. So that's fantastic. So for, from Nice, you can either get the train, you can get a bus, you can obviously take a helicopter if you've got $800, but a hole in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, sky's the limit. Yeah, sure. Well, it's good It's good to know that there's options for different levels of budgets and everything else. You know, th- that's fantastic. Now, as far as where we would stay in Monaco, like you said, it's, it's really around two square miles, so it's not that far apart and everything. So I'm sure there's pretty much any place you stay is going to be good. Do you have any recommendations as far as different hotels to stay in? 
the only one that I've said that is the Columbus, which is in Fonvier, which is the land reclamation area that was reclaimed in, I believe, the 60s and 70s. And that was once at one point owned by David Coulthard, the ex-Formula 1 driver. That's a three-star. And I think room rates there are about $180 a night. And so it's affordable. It's nice. They've got really, really pleasant rooms. They just updated everything about four years ago. And it's really, really nice. So that's, it's not central, but that's kind of three stars. It's nice. It's pleasant. It's opposite a really lovely park. Um, just up from Monte Carlo, so the casino and the casino square, there is a Novotel, which I think is around the same kind of amount per night. Yeah, and for for American listeners, like Novotel is it's kind of like a Hilton, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's an it's a brand that's a, a chain brand that's pretty popular throughout Europe. Yeah, so again, it, it's three stars. I believe the rooms are pretty kind of tight from what people have said into the reviews. But I think because it's essentially a small city state, right? There's so much to do, and so I don't think you're going to be spending too much in the rooms. And so I think you can kind of compromise on that kind of thing a little bit. So there's that. You can stay across the border, you know, just as cheaply. In I think there's a Marriott back in France, which is literally a hop, skip, and a jump from Monaco, like literally the next street up. And I believe the room rates are kind of comparable to that as well. And then obviously you then get into there's those Airbnbs, which I think you can rent rent a studio apartment for I think about hundred euros a night. So that's about hundred and twenty, maybe hundred and fifty dollars a night, roundabout. So that that's quite affordable. And obviously Airbnbs, it's all self catering, so you have a bit more flexibility with what you do with your budget and that and that kind of thing, which I guess people want. Sure, sure. Yeah, I was looking because um, I I like to use a lot of airline miles and hotel points for, for when I travel and. You know, there's not like a Hilton or specific Marriott type of property, you know, that's more like in that affordable range. But I did see there were some opportunities to use points at like the Meridian, which is a, a Marriott family property. There's also the Port Palace Hotel, which is a, a Hyatt property. They, they're like a small luxury hotels of the world. They participate in Hyatt. And so that's nice to be able to know that if I wanted to, I can either earn or re- redeem some of my hotel points when I'm staying there. Absolutely, yeah. There's obviously leading into the ridiculous end of things where you've got you know, the Hotel de Paris, which is $800 a night, starting rate going up to $50,000 a night. And then you've got things like the Monte Carlo Bay Hotel, which is at, right at the end, and then Monte Carlo Beach, which is just beyond that. And again, they're in that kind of price range as well. But they're, they're great hotels. They're really worth it. But they are a little bit way out of town. So, okay. So now we kind of know where to stay with, within Monte Carlo. As far as uh, you, you mentioned earlier, a couple of different things to, to do while we're there. But what are some of your suggestions as far as like must do's or can't miss like, you know, attractions while we're there? There's actually loads. So I always say people go to the old town. So it's up, up a big hill. You can get at least one public bus, if not two public buses, will go up there regularly. Also, what's great is at the start of that hill, there's a police stop where there's always police. So you, if you get lost, you know, with us, police, they, they speak. I think three different languages each. And they all speak French, Italian, and English. And they're always super, super helpful. And they're always super useful. And they know where everything is. So I always recommend going up to the old town. In the old town, you have the cathedral, which is free to look around, unless it's being used, of course. You can go onto the palace forecourt, which is really, really exciting because there's those statues there. There's old cannons there. There's mounds of cannonballs. And there's some incredible views both over the port of Fonvier, which is Newport, and the Monte Carlo port. 
and the F1 Thomas track. So I recommend people go up to the old town, see the palace, see the cathedral, see the courthouse, which is next door to the, the cathedral. And then round the corner from that, you have a lovely park and then you have the Oceanographic Museum, which is really affordable to get into. I think you can actually do it with a multi-buy ticket until you can go to that. The Palace, I believe, is open March to October each year at the state rooms. I've done that and that's really worth doing. And then they have a car museum in Fonvier, which is... You, so I think you can get a ticket for the three. I can't remember the prices. You'll you'll have to figure that out. But I think that works out way cheaper than buying individual tickets. Oh, for sure. And so that's really, really worth doing. And the Oceanographic Museum is really, really fascinating. In the basement, you have modern-day aquariums with really exciting different fishes from all over the world that's really exciting. On the first and second floors, you have a history of, of what Monaco has done to in terms of like marine preservation and marine research and how that's been going on now for nearly 100 years. And so that's really exciting. And then on the roof, there's a cafe and a play centre for kids, but it also has incredible views both of Monaco, Monte Carlo, Italy, France, Corsica, and further afield into, you know, into Africa. So that is worth doing. The other great thing about the old town as well is there's loads of cute restaurants, there's loads of cute uh, touristy shops that are selling knickknacks. Yeah, so that's one zone that I, I recommend t- checking out. If you're into bars, restaurants, you know, if you're looking for a more kind of adult experience, the port is absolutely incredible. It's got things like Stars and Bars, which is an American-themed restaurant, which is really affordable, really quick service. I really like them because they're just quick, they're efficient, and it's just a good easy to understand menu that's they don't mess around so i love that there's a burger place also on the port there's loads of different restaurants on the port and loads of different bars so the port is great no matter what time of the day it is because there's loads of things happening and obviously by night they pump music and it's become a completely different thing so the port obviously you have to go up to the casino square and see the casino see the cafe de parry obviously you know go have a nice room at the cafe de parry it's the best 30 bucks you'll spend and then you know, go and stand out and look at the cars and the casino square and look at the. You can actually go into the hotel of the Paris and go and sit in the American bar, but it isn't cheap. And they don't really like people going and looking around it. So if you can figure out a way to get into the, the hotel of the Paris and get out again without getting spotted, you should be fine. <laughs> I was there, let's just say it cost me more than my weekly food bill for two drinks a couple of weeks back. But anyway. <laughs> well, for, pe- for people looking for that experience, that's a. Uh... That's a good option. I'm a little bit more frugal than that, um, right, you know, right, 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 right. <laughs> but that's all right. <laughs> now, a couple other things that I saw, like when I was looking at the the visitmonaco.com uh, website, uh, I saw that the the Princess Grace Rose Garden. I guess that was like it was named after the the U.S. star Grace Kelly, who married Prince Rainier, and so that was that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually a s- section of a bigger park. So that park is in Fonvier, so it's a little bit tricky to find. But what you want to do is you want to ask for Fonvier Commercial Centre. And from there, you know, just ask anyone who's working there. That's a big shopping district. So you've got McDonald's there. You've got a big Carrefour, which is big, like Walmart and lots of other like independent kind of stores. And so you can ask anyone there and they'll be able to direct you or there's it's bus terminus as well. So you can always just ask the bus driver and they'll direct you. And it's uh, like a five minute walk. But yeah, so Princess Grace Rose, the Rose Garden is part of this massive park. That's just really, really great to just go and sit in. And then to go go look around, there's ducks. 
there's loads of water features. So it's really, it's just one of these really pleasant places that you can go and just chill out and relax and be away from the madness. <laughs> for sure. It sounds like a good place to kind of hang out and spend the afternoon. And you mentioned the Casino Square earlier. And for, for people who are fans of James Bond, apparently that was like the, the setting for Casino Royale, right? The original, yes. Not the, the one with Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think that it, it was the it was, I think it was the setting for the book more than the, was right, the movie. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's still luxurious. So people go and park their fast Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Bentleys, Rolls Royce. There, it's just a great place to go and soak up the atmosphere and to be around the people. If you want to go to the casino, it's ten euros. So I guess that's like twelve dollars. So inside the tip here is to ask for a loyalty card. To, so I'll sign you up to their loyalty program but it will get you and a guest in for free if you join the loyalty program. So for me, I did that four years ago. And so every time I go in now, I just send them my loyalty card. They scan the loyalty card and I'm in for free. And it means that if I want to take like a family member or cousin, I don't have to worry because I just go and ask for a, a, a guest ticket and I get a guest ticket and we're all good. And it takes like five minutes to fill out and it's absolutely free to do. And because you save 10 bucks every time or like, sorry, 12 bucks every time, it's worth spending those 10 minutes to, to do it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Actually, it's like almost saving 25 bucks because it's you and a guest. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then obviously if you're spending lots of money on, on rooms in resort rooms, so SBM Monte, Monte Carlo rooms and entertainment and that kind of thing, you get points and you can take points off meals, et cetera. But obviously... I'm like you, I'm a bit more frugal, so I don't spend enough to kind of qualify. <laughs> it gets me in the casino for free, so I love it for that reason, that reason alone, right? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Before we get into the final countdown, I want to ask, uh, are there any other restaurants that you recommend uh, as far as different types of food or you know, something a little bit more traditional French or something that's like kind of like a specialty there in Monaco? So yeah, so in the old town, there's loads of different kind of family-owned restaurants that may specialize in say traditional French or traditional kind of regional cuisine. There's a great pizzeria behind the cathedral that actually says Nicholas's pizzeria, which I'm guessing is probably quite fantastic in terms of pizza. I haven't eaten there, but it looks, the menu looks fantastic. And you then have things like on the port, there's a lot of more Western, if you like to call it like American type cuisine. Stars of Bars is American. There's MC Buns, which is run by Princess Charlene's brother. And then in the Maybay Hotel, there's Nubu, I believe. And there's some of the Chinese and Far Eastern restaurants in that area as well. So there's enough cuisine for for anyone. You know, and because you're right on the border with Italy, you get a lot of Italian pizza chefs who come and work in Monaco and in Nice who are just absolutely fantastic at making pizza and pasta and everything Italian, which for me... Can't beat it, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm all about the pizza, so uh, that, indeed, indeed, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to go there for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, AJ, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for for Monaco. I really enjoyed a lot, and I learned so much. And now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Monaco, where should they go and what should they eat? So I would say go to the Cafe de Paris and have ice cream. It will cost you like twenty or thirty dollars. But it's the most incredible ice cream. It's the most Instagram-worthy ice cream that you'll have. If they're doing pancakes, get pancakes. I think they're a little bit cheaper. But yeah, totally worth totally worth splashing out on going to the Cafe de Barry. And it's the bragging rights as well, right? So yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, as long as you do it for the you know for that Instagram shot, then it's all worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a certain flavor that you like the best when uh, Cafe de Barry? One of the times I had. I just had like their general kind of like double chocolate with all the work. So you get 
chocolate, three types of ice cream, nick a block of glory, um, kind of nougari stuff. I think there's fruit in there as well. I think there's bananas and strawberries and wafers and thick double cream. So it's it's enough for two people. So oh, wow. I haven't had one alone. I always shared it. But yeah, it's definitely worth the money. That sounds amazing. Okay, so like you said, you've been going there and your family's been going there for basically 100 years. I'm sure you've created some uh, some awesome memories. What's one of your most memorable? I think my most memorable is actually, so four years ago, I turned 30. And on the second night that I stayed in Monaco, we went to sort of Philharmonic. And like I was saying earlier, you know, it's, it's $15, $16 for the tickets. And they're really, really good. And it's, it's just a world-class orchestra. So I recommend people do that. Last year, for example, Jimmy Cullum, who's a jazz guy, played there twice. There's just loads of arts going on all the time. There's music and those are great things like that happening. And so, yeah, those to me are the most memorable experiences I've had. That sounds like an amazing time. I'm sure it's a wonderful experience. And I think it's, you know, I think more tourists and especially, you know, for me and my family, we need to go to enjoy more like the arts more often. I think that's kind of like a, something that's lost on us. We watch too much TV, reality TV and you know, Instagram and TikTok and everything like that. And we, we don't want to miss out on, on some of those really traditional and amazing music experiences. Indeed. Now, speaking of good, happy times and, and uh, good memories, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Monaco? So I'm not actually a drinker, so this is going to be a bit difficult. So I'm going to say I would definitely head to the port and just see what's happening at the port. And there's so many bars and restaurants down there that they'll all be doing special hours. They'll all be doing kind of happy hours around kind of five, six o'clock. I don't think you can go wrong. And, you know, there's nothing like sitting on the port with a beer or with a glass of champagne or a glass of rosé and just watching boats come up and down and, you know, living the good life. Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's, uh, from when I was looking on the on the website for Visit Monaco, it seemed like there's a lot of places that, that have outdoor terraces, you know, where you can just enjoy the, enjoy the weather, enjoy the views and everything like that. One of the ones that I saw that seemed really good was like the, the Brasserie de, de Monaco, and they have they have a nice terrace and, and everything else. I think, I think that's just part of the whole experience of going there. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it, it's very French in that kind of manner, if I can be so rude, is that they, they do live outside most of the year, and so every restaurant has terraces because lots of people don't still smoke, but they smoke outside, and there's obviously smoking areas if, you, if you're that cautious. But yeah, so... People don't really generally eat indoors unless it's late or if the weather's terrible. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so yeah, so the, there's always opportunities to stay outside, even if it's a horrible day and it's you know there's a little bit of sunshine. It will still be nice and warm. It will still be inviting to sit out there, you know, with a hot drink, even if you're shivering with your Starbucks and yeah, just admire how good life can be, right? <laughs> For sure. Or that you get that once in a generation snow that the, that you talked about. Yeah, yeah, earlier. right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is, is check out the local pizza. And like you said, there's a lot of uh, Italian uh, chefs and everything that come over from, from Italy right across the border there. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Monaco? I would say go to something like Stars and Bars or to uh, St. Nicholas Pizzeria in the Old Town. Stars and Bars is on the port. The other thing to do is to actually just ask the police because the police will know where the best places are to eat because they're tourist wranglers mainly, you know, in, for some parts. And they may actually have, they may actually know the hidden gems where, where it's kind of cheap and affordable. So, yeah, but there's another place in the old town that will sell pizza slices that are dollar, two dollars. Oh, nice. 
every time I go to the old town and I eat, I spend more buying a bottle of Coke than I do actually on buying a couple of bottles <laughs> of pizza. But I just think that's, you know, that's economics, isn't it? <laughs> uh, sure, sure. <laughs> right on. Well, like you talked about, you've been traveling back and forth to Monaco for pretty much all your life. And I, I know, obviously, you travel a lot of other places as well. What's one of your best travel tips? Have a plan. It is definitely the biggest, my, my biggest tip. But also decide on what you're going to do. And so so I, I was there literally two weeks ago. And I keep looking back at the photos of what I, what I saw. And I'm like, I saw a tiny part of it. And that to me makes it really, really exciting because then I, you know, I can start building that list again of what I can do next time, and I can do completely different things next time, or I can do, I can explore different things, or, or try and meet different people. And so that to me is really, really exciting. So go with a plan. Understand what you can and you can't do. If you want to take it slow and just do the old town for a whole day, go and do that and be, you know, overzealous with, with your time and with your effort and your, your cash. Like with everything. Is always constantly changing, so it looks different from every season. So if you go back, you know, six months time or a year's time or three years' time, you're gonna discover something completely different. And so don't be, you know, despondent that you haven't seen everything, but keep an idea of what you haven't seen or, or what you'd like to see, you know, because it, it will feel fully you wanted to go back there again, right? It makes a lot of sense. What I like to do a lot of times is have like three to five like big things I really want to do, and then keep a little bit of time for like free time because as you're walking around and exploring like you mentioned maybe you come across something that's just really amazing that you would have never experienced if you were like had your schedule jam-packed full of like all these things that you're running around trying to hit them all you know indeed yeah right on. well aj i really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do sure so i'm an affiliate marketer and a content strategy coach I help small businesses who have websites that aren't performing to to basically drive traffic through content and drive revenue through content. So I go and I fix all their content problems and I make sure that what they're writing connects with their audience and engages their audience in a way that makes them want to convert into customers. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm definitely needing some more of that <laughs> more <of> that revenue <laughs> and, and more traffic. So uh, your services are can be helpful for sites like mine, as well as a lot of small businesses and even larger businesses out there. So I know that you have a course that's available. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So yeah, so I have a course that's 50 bucks, uh, that's 16 modules that just teaches you the framework behind everything that I, that I do. So it's not sexy. It's not... It's not going to double your traffic overnight, but it will give you the framework and the foundation for you to build out your content plan and, for you to, and to build your understanding of, of how to measure progress and how to measure success. I feel a lot of people are missing that, especially when it comes to blogging, because they, they're they really excited at the start, but they have no structure. And so they do all this work and nothing kind of pays off and they give up. And they just spent that kind of this couple of hours thinking about what structure they could have put in place. They'd be much further along when they started. I say that my course teaches, and then I then do consultancy, which is essentially around the same kind of thing where people work with me one on one. And yeah, it's the same same kind of thing. I'm going to websites and fixing their content problems and fixing their their structure mainly. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. What what we'll do is we'll include links to your course uh, as well as your website and social media handles and everything in the, in the show notes. If somebody has a question about your course, your your services, or about Monaco. What's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Sure. So hit me up on Instagram. I'm very, very active on Instagram. I try and answer messages as quickly as I can. Okay. And Instagram, it's A underscore J underscore Saunders? Yeah, correct. Perfect. 
like I said, we'll include links to that in the, sh- in the show notes. Uh, that way people can find you and they don't have to try to <laughs> write it all down right now. <laughs> and you know, on my Instagram, I, I regularly post about Monaco and who should be following Monaco and what I've been doing you know, when I visit Monaco. So there's loads and loads of stuff on there. Fantastic. Well, awesome. Well, AJ, again, I really appreciate coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. We look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah, great stuff. What a wonderful conversation with AJ. I've always thought of Monaco as a playground for the rich and famous, but it's so cool to know that it's a relatively affordable vacation for the rest of us. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Monaco. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can stay wrinkle-free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Cincinnati, Ohio to speak with my new friend Tyler Weaver of RelentlessFinances.com. In this episode, Tyler and I talk about attending the Bunbury Music Festival, eating Skyline Chili, and shopping at Finley Market. You'll be joining us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. <laughs>